Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. All right, fam, we have a new partner that you can support, and you're going to love this one. They're called Zoom Care. The one great thing that we can all take away from this pandemic is the ability to do more things from the comfort of your own home. Nobody likes sitting in a doctor's office or even going to the doctor, for that matter. I know I sure don't, but we all need to take care of ourselves. So what is video care? Video care is like a trip to Zoom Care just from your couch. You can see, hear, and chat with your doctor just like in a traditional office visit. Get secure access to urgent primary and specialist care, including mental health. Video care is covered by most private insurers, usually with copay. Visit zoomcare.com to get started. That's Z O O M C A R E.com. There's nothing better than getting a diagnosis from your doc while sitting in your own living room. You can help them and us out a great deal today by checking out zoomcare.com for all the details you need. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 for new subscribers to get, or new drinkers, I guess you don't subscribe. You could subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee, and you should. DNVR20 gets you 20% off your first purchase. DNVR25, 25% off your second purchase of the CBD-infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life-altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Priestman, Managing Editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And joining us for this one is, of course, the voice of the Colorado Rockies on AT&T Sportsnet and the host of the Drew Goodman podcast. Drew Goodman, thanks for joining the show. Always good to be with you guys, man. A lot of of stuff finally going on, actual real baseball. So uh, I know you guys want to delve into that today, but uh, good to be with you. Well, we appreciate it. We know you got a lot going on, uh, but there is also, as you said, there's there's baseball going on. You know, we it seems like we got so very little of it last year. No, it doesn't just seem that. Let me correct. It's we true. We got sixty baseball games. Is that correct? That wasn't just a fever dream that I had. <laughs> it, was, it was the sixty game sprint, right? Uh, and so, you know, with that, and then right into another off season just to see a little bit of baseball out there. It's got to be nice to be like, Hey, look, sound of the ball hitting the bat spring trainings back in the air again. Yeah. I'm really excited. Uh, We were chatting before we went on air. Uh, I'm going to go down uh, for the first time spring training on Tuesday for a week. And we're televising a couple of games on actually, I think four games over the next uh, between the uh, 10th and the 15th. We'll, we'll televise four games. So, um, folks will get a a look at the 2021 version of the Rockies a little bit, but I'm really excited because March is always one of my favorite months. I've told you guys this before. The weather in Scottsdale is great. Um, There's a great buzz. There's so many, it seems like you walk down the street and typically in normal times, you'd see half of your friends from Colorado because people migrate down there. All the kids uh, 
uh, are playing baseball down there with the different spring breaks. And it's just a great time. Everybody's relaxed. Players are a little more relaxed unless, of course, they're fighting for a job. And everybody's just getting ready for the season. Nobody's lost a game yet. And uh, it, it is in so many ways my favorite time of year. And I know this year will still be different, but there are some folks at the ball games. I guess what up to a couple thousand or so, and yeah. uh, I can't wait to get down there next Tuesday. And and when we get together on you guys' podcast next week, uh, I can tell you a little bit more about the sights and sounds. But I'm really looking forward to it. Well, that was an interesting element that we now have this spring is fans of the ballpark. Of course, Coors Field will not have 25% capacity at about 12,500. But even in the early going here at spring training. You actually see people sitting out on the lawn, on the berm, uh, catching foul balls, you, you know, smattering of applause here and there. Might not be a lot, but it definitely is real, and it definitely feels like, okay, we are getting back to normalcy as a nation, and, and baseball is getting back to normal as well. Yeah, it, it seems like for the most part, uh, you know, we're, we're strongly trending in the right direction, not just from a baseball standpoint, but um, from a from a national standpoint, hopefully from a global standpoint uh, as well. But you're right. Even even when I'm watching some games, I, I, I saw some college baseball last week watching one of my boys playing and, and just, you know, even with a couple hundred people there, it's just it's great, man. You're, you're seeing the right atmosphere. I've seen some other games on television and, and uh, I, I, you know, we probably in the past would, you know, mock small crowds, Miami Marlins crowds. Right. But now you, you give anything to have a Miami Marlins type crowd. <laughs> you're going 12,000. That's where everyone's trying to, man, that's you're trying to get in the door. The Montreal Expos are now the gold standard in attendance, you know, right. when compared with everything going on today's day and age. I, I got to tell you, it, you just reminded me when I first started um, calling Major League Baseball, I was doing it at the time. It was in the 90s for um, for, for Fox Sports, uh, Fox Sports Net nationally and, and FX. And they had they had a couple games of the week, if you guys recall. And it seemed like every other week I was uh, sent to my to Montreal to do a game and. It was awesome. And, and when I first broke in with the Rockies, you know, obviously they were the, the Expos were still in Montreal. And what a great city. And, and I've said this as baseball looks to expand. Um, there, there's so many worthy cities. You know, I think Nashville would be would be awesome. And, you know, Portland, Oregon's a great city. But, man, I hope baseball returns to Montreal. It, it's an international city. And. Um, there, there's there's great baseball history, and I know in preseason, the last few years when Toronto and Montreal play a couple of games against each other, they literally they sell out. I mean, they get yeah. forty plus thousand. Um, so I, I really believe that uh, Montreal will will support baseball with the right stadium. But Stade Olympique um, was was no longer the right stadium. <laughs> No, it, it was not. Vlad Guerrero Jr. a couple years ago during one of the exhibitions where the Blue Jays played up there at Olympic Stadium, and the fans were going crazy for the son of Vlad Guerrero, a guy that they knew and loved so much in Montreal. And I'm, I'm sure you're uh, following closely the, the situation in Tampa Bay because it sounds like you know it's still a few years off, but uh, Stu, Stutt, uh, Stu Sternberg, the, the owner of the Rays, has been discussing this idea about you know, starting the season in Tampa for the Rays and then going up to Montreal at, at parts of the season and 
creating this sort of X-rays type team. It's it's very unique. I, I think they're kind of dipping their toe in that water, as you said, with expansion kind of coming around the corner. And Montreal may indeed get back and, and have a major league team at some point soon. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how many cities could pull that off. I think it's a fascinating right. story slash idea, guys, because we all know Tampa historically. I mean, they, they're in the World Series. They w- With very little, they do a whole lot. And yet, uh, listen, the TROP is uh, – I've done football there. I've done baseball there. The TROP needs to go, but they've struggled from a from a – you know, municipality standpoint to raise the the money to, you know, build a new stadium. Will the population show up? Is it because it's an older population? Is it who knows all of the the reasons? But maybe the right answer is to be a hybrid. And and if you're a hybrid, think about the marketing from a product standpoint. That would be so like, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. There. You know, your your team that literally it's like the old co-op teams in the minor leagues where uh, I know Jeff Houston when he was in uh, Burlington, Iowa, they were half Royals and half, uh, I believe, Cubs or Expo. It wasn't Cubs. It was it was half Expos, half Royals, I believe, uh, back in the day. And um, maybe that would work with uh, with Tampa being in such a unique situation. Yeah, that would be really, really interesting. Now I'm, I'm just, yeah, my my mind is racing thinking about all of that. Uh, there's something very interesting going on right now, by the way. That's a, a a rarity, which is that we're obviously having this conversation with you while a Colorado Rockies game is happening, and we're now getting play by play from the comments section, letting us know the Colorado Rockies have tied it back up with a two run <laughs> homer from Casey Golden. Uh, I did see in the inning before. Uh, we had officially gotten to the point of the game where game day did not know the name of the person who had scored or driven in the run. So I love they just that. sent out blank scores. Rockies now down, you know, it was just like fantastic. For yeah. And, and, and if people missed it, Brendan Rogers hit his first home run of the spring yeah. uh, in that game it was an opposite field shot coming after Rymel Tapia hit the first home run of the spring for the Rockies and opposite field uh, mm. shot. Uh, and we're going to talk about this probably ad nauseum for, for some, but uh, of the intriguing players, the question marks going into um, 2021. And if the Rockies are to surprise folks, I think they need plenty of good stories. And one of them hopefully is Brendan Rogers, who at one time was one of the top prospects in all of baseball. And he's probably fallen from that 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 stature over the last year or two just because he's had trouble staying on the field. He has only 97 big league at-bats. But he was drafted third overall out of a Florida high school because he projected as a guy that could hit and hit for power eventually yeah. and stay in the middle infield somewhere. And this is an extremely important year for Brendan Rodgers. And I think even though he wasn't in the shadow guys of Nolan Arenado because Nolan plays third, Nolan's a longtime established superstar, just, you know, not having, you know, maybe the, the pressure of looking over there and going, Oh my goodness, that's Nolan. And, and you know, it's Charlie and right field where it's, where he feels like more of the same age group. I don't, I don't know if there's something to that, but I believe there is, I really believe there is, which could help him relax 
and, and seize this opportunity. But it's a big year. There's no there's no ifs, ands, or buts. <laughs> this is a big year for Brendan Rodgers, so it was good to see him. He threw out another hit earlier in the ballgame to drive in a run, so it was good mm-hmm. to see you know him have a solid day down in Scottsdale. I think that makes sense as far as him having a little less pressure because there are guys on this team that, you know, he's seen in spring training the last few years, you know, he's friends with Ryan McMahon and and a few of those other guys that are in that kind of grade uh, one or two grades above him. And yet there was never, never really anybody around him. That was a top prospect, third overall pick. Like you said, Uh, you had Riley Pint, you know, coming the next year and, and really kind of not really catching fire. And, And outside of that, it's, it's been about, Brendan Rodgers, since he was taken uh, back in 2015, it's been nothing but Brendan Rodgers. And so a lot of pressure can kind of get heaped on a guy and it doesn't have the opportunity, you know, to hide because maybe other prospects are are getting that shine and whatnot. And, and you're right. So now with kind of Nolan being gone, I, I don't necessarily think Rodgers is, you know, the next star of the team immediately right now. But now he's got some room to say, look, I'm not a prospect anymore. And I also don't necessarily have to live up to the expectations of this other superstar guy at third base. So he can really start to, you know, come into his own, much like a lot of these young guys on the team this year. No, I think that's a point well taken. And we always talk about a player maturing into whatever they will be at the big league level. And generally, we're using that term to reference the physical maturation, you know, stronger, more explosive, how they understand their swing, how they understand and adapt to big league pitching. But there's a component we rarely talk about, and that is just truly maturing from an emotional standpoint, going from a 19, 20, 21-year-old young man to a 23, 24-year-old, still young man, but but slightly older and slightly more skilled at dealing with not just baseball adversity, but life adversity and, and truly growing into, you know, being being a a grown-up, if, if you will. And I'm not suggesting he was that he's immature or anything, but that's rarely talked about. We always talk about the physical side. And I think there, there's the mental component component playing the game and then just the overall mental component being comfortable in your shoes as somebody that's now not 17 or 18 anymore yeah Uh, and there's a a lot of guys in that category that i think it's going to be really really fun to watch as we've talked about the lost boys as we oh i've got okay i've got to get your take on this this just started on twitter right before i came on here about um the nicknames we had been leaning toward Charlie and the Children was something that had been flown around as a kind of <laughs> spiritual successor to Todd and the Toddlers, right? Uh, but also Chuck and the Lost Boys, because we've been calling them the Lost Boys. Somebody hit me up with that. We had some back and forth. Do both of those need workshop? Either one. How, how are you feeling about Are you Charles Cobb, Chuck Nasty well, on both of those? <laughs> you know, I, I, I know you've used the Lost Boys, and I know you don't mean that in a, in a, with a negative right. connotation. Right. But Peter Pan. It, it does carry right. that a little bit, and I think right. that is, is unfair to some of the young guys. So I would, though I haven't thrown my own thing out there, but you're asking me to weigh in, so I will. Yeah. Uh, I, I would defer to you know Chuck and, and the children, or Charlie and the children. Um, I, I think that's uh, less demeaning, if you will. 
than uh, calling the Lost <laughs> well, Boys because that's that's suggesting they, they don't belong for various reasons. Well, and and uh, which point taken, and I think you're absolutely right about that. But uh, my follow up on that is: Did you ever ask like Matt Holiday or Garrett Atkins, these like hulking dudes, like, <laughs> how do you feel about being called a toddler? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, you know, I'm not. I, I love nicknames, and I love I love anything that's organic. And so when and I'm not suggesting you guys are doing this, but when but when writers stay up all night and you know trying to come up with the the right catchphrase or 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 the, the proper nickname in their mind, they want to be first to you know. I remember you know when when Pepsi Center first opened up, and and it, I think it was Woody Page. I mean, in his first column, you know, he, he wanted to be called the Can, or um, and and I suppose that was a proper reference with it being the Pepsi center uh, initially. Uh, but I've never been one on a, we have to, we have to nickname this, this new group. It, it, it should, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. It's just not how I'm wired where I stay up at night going, Hey, what should this group be called? Chuck and somebody, or, you know, Chuck Trevor and the, you know, <laughs> the gang of 24. <laughs> other guys. Right. That's got it really rolls off the tongue. Yeah. It's a little clunky. might not be great for a headline, yeah. but I mean, Hey, the players but could let us that's know why too. I should... Yeah. That's right. Why yeah. I shouldn't be doing it. But I'm pretty clunky when I, when I come up. It's with a start kind of though. It's a start. It's, it's at least third best so far. It's at least third, but you know, the players, Charlie Blackman. Uh, uh, the uh, tone style, hey, so. you know... <laughs> right. That's, that's Patrick, bad. what it was his third best out of two entries. <laughs> a little bit. Also ran. There's an also ran. Well, you know, you know, back in 2019, 2019, it, it didn't stick, uh, the Cucarachas, but it that was a, a nickname that the team, you know, was able to rally around. And I mean, for all we know, it could yeah. be a resurgence of that, you know, and in many ways, there's a lot of carryover uh from those guys. And um, yeah, it, I don't know that it'll have that. That flair of, of Todd and the toddlers and whatnot. Chuck and the children, you know, the nasty boys. Do we kind of mash them? Chuck nasty oh. and the lost boys, the nasty boys. You know, we'll we'll see what they do on the field. But Should that be one's fun. been but that one's been used. Really. A couple times. <laughs> A couple, yeah. We've got we've got the Cincinnati kids with with Rob Dibble and uh, who else? Danny Jackson, Randy Myers, and we also have Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags. Of WCW and WWE fame yep. from Charlton. There you go. That's it. Yep. That was the third guy I was missing. John Franco was there for a little bit too. Yeah. Wow. Hey, listen. Yeah, if I'm going to get up in arms about Todd Father, float, if you're going to make WWE references, you're not going <laughs> to get a great deal of participation from me. Nothing against the WWE, but I'm not up to speed. Uh, more, right. more of an NWA kind of. <laughs> Those yeah, old days. Different, different league. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is actually a great question from Will since you were talking about getting ready to go down there. He says, when you first get to Arizona, is there something you always regularly do when you get there? Maybe you go to a restaurant or a museum, a golf course, anything in particular that before even getting out to the games, you're ready to do um, that's a great, it's a great question. I don't know if there's, I have my favorite restaurants I like to go to. Um, I have my favorite runs down there. Uh, I, I just, it, I, you know, kind of soak it all up. I guess the one thing that I do every day 
is the Starbucks, which is right across uh, Indian Bend Road, about a half a mile from Salt River Fields. Before I go to the complex in the morning, I, I stop in that Starbucks every morning after I've worked out and make my way over to Salt River Field. So that is the first that to answer his question, literally, that is the first thing I do once I've you know, gotten all the other stuff out of the way. There you go. Baseball, yeah, you got a routine. That, you, got, you got to have that routine. And, and you know what we're, we're talking about first going down to spring training. Here we are. We're still in the first week. You know, what, what do you say to someone who might be kind of looking too much at the box score early on in spring training games? Or, or you know, what, what's, the t- what's the takeaway most fans should have? You know, just taking things with a, with a grain of salt. Are there certain things uh, they should be looking for? Or just overall just being patient here in the early going with any team in any season? I think if an exceptionally young player or a relatively inexperienced player that has some a prospect tag attached to their name and and has a strong spring, that's noteworthy. But mm. if Charlie Blackman hits 185 this spring, I don't care. If Trevor Story only hits one home run this spring, I don't care. Um, if you know, so-and-so starts and hits 450, great, had an awesome spring, and you hope there's carryover, but oftentimes not necessarily. I don't put a ton of stock in March, and I'm also I'm going to sound Shakespearean, beware the Ides of March, but beware the Ides of September as well. Uh, when It used to be when the rosters expanded, and if two teams were out of it and they were playing each other and there was no longer pressure, um, the same kind of pressure to perform, and are you getting hits off a, a, a guy who was called up from AAA um, and that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm always aware of what takes place in September, and I, and I, and I kind of you know, put a stop sign out saying don't read too much into what takes place. I mean, if a young player does well, great. Um, if a young player has a has a really good march, I'm aware of that. Um, you know, if, if a pitcher struggled mightily in March, you go, boy, I hope, you know, they turn that around. But especially with veteran guys, I'm not honed in and, and focused on everything they do uh, because a lot of times with veteran pitchers, they are truly working on pitch or, or whatever, just getting the proverbial work in to get themselves their pitch count and their arm ready um, for the lengthy major league season. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. You, you don't put a lot of stock in it because, as you said, you, you've got guys going up to the plate facing pitchers who are working on stuff. So it's you know more that the, the opposing pitcher gave up the hit or home run or meatball right over the middle of the plate more than the, the player earned it. You also have got this element, too, and we kind of see it in today's game where you go, well, who's the better team, the Mariners or the Rockies? Because they keep coming back. Well, there aren't really very many Mariners players and Rockies players still left in the game. You've got those late substitutions coming in. You got double A guys. Scored that run, though. You got to hand it to Blank on the Blank is having a good spring, but it's double A guys against double A guys in a you know major league spring training facility, and you know you have to take that with a grain of salt. And so the numbers can can certainly lie to you at that point, depending on the the strength of the opponent ultimately for these players. 
Yeah, we every announcer group has fun late in spring training games when number 87 is throwing to number 91 <laughs> and neither guy is on the, the roster, even the expanded roster that you were handed before the ball game. And the only people who know outside their locker mates is mom and dad looking in and you don't want to screw it up for mom and dad, but you have to apologize because you literally have no idea who they brought up from minor league camp potentially that day and gets in at bat in the eighth inning. Uh, that sort of thing. I'll, I'll throw something else out there, guys, that, that you're aware of having covered uh, the Rockies and, and the sport for, for a while. And that is historically the Cactus League gives up some robust offensive numbers, more so than the Grapefruit League. Um, the, the travel is a little more onerous in, in the Grapefruit League. Um, the weather, it's not the dry heat. It's it's the you know, it, it, it's the, the wet heat, if you will, humidity. Um, so the numbers in offensively typically um, are far stronger in the Cactus League. And you'll see guys go off and they hit seven, eight home runs. And they batted 425. Great. Awesome. I'd rather do that as I get ready for the 1st of April than, than have hit a buck 20. Um, but I, I again, I, I keep it with a grain of salt. If I'm hearing you both right, what you're suggesting is don't go immediately to the DraftKings Sportsbook based on the results going on in the beginning of March here, end of February. Maybe don't lay down big dollar amounts uh, unless maybe, like you said, you see that prospect you think is about to hit. Then maybe lay a couple of bucks on him to win a random award that you might think he can. It can pay out huge. Uh, If you want to go with safer stuff, now's the time to start looking at that, but don't. Don't base it on spring training results. Uh, definitely uh, base it on uh, a deeper research and knowledge than that. Um, what you don't need deeper research and knowledge about, though, if you're a new user and you use the promo code DNVR to get the DraftKings Sportsbook app on your phone right now, you can get $1 turned into $100, whether you know anything about UFC in this weekend's action or not. 259, three title fights, and if in the main event, one of the fighters lands a punch, well, you just turned $1 into 100 bucks. That's a great deal. That's an unbeatable deal. DraftKings is always throwing promos like that at you. So make sure you download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNBR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if either main event fighter lands a punch on Saturday. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend using code DNVR to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or over, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-47. Zero zero. I want to I want to throw something else out there. And Patrick, great job again with DraftKings. Or excuse me, uh, Drew, great job with DraftKings. Patrick, I coached him I up now. I coached him up. It's he true. Was coaching him up. Right. That's right. Yeah, that was my. That was my. <laughs> but, um, Love it. If spring training is important um, to everyone, but but to certain individuals, and, and earlier we were talking about mm. Brandon Rogers had a big day. These are important days and games for Brendan Rodgers. He's not an established yeah. big leaguer. He wants he wants to not only establish himself, but he needs to go win a job. That's that's mm-hmm. a different deal 
than Charlie Blackman getting ready for the season, Trevor Story, who will play on Friday for the first time, getting ready for the season. They're, they're not trying to win a job. They're doing what they've done in the past to get their body ready, to get the requisite number of at-bats so they feel comfortable when they dial it up for real on April 1st on that Thursday at Coors Field against the Dodgers. But for Brendan Rodgers, different situation. And even to a certain degree, or really to a large degree, for Hampson and Hilliard battling in center field, um, um, you know, for a starting spot, and how that outfield's going to shake out, those, those are, the, the every game and every moment on the field is important and different for those folks than it is for the veterans. And if, and if you're not convinced that Brendan Rodgers uh, is, is battling someone for second base, and we know Garrett Hampson's there, Chris Owens, they're all going to be fighting for, for playing time. And you say, well, Rodgers is probably going to be the guy. He just has to play well enough. Well, you need to keep an eye on how well that is because, you know, is he just going to be a guy that's in the lineup batting sixth or seventh? Or is he going to be a guy that's going to be hitting second just ahead of, Trevor Story and, and behind Ryan Maltapia most likely. And, and you go, wow, okay, now we really could see this kid break out in a major way. So it's, it's little nuanced things like that that can also give you an idea of, of how good of a season uh, a player is going to have. I, I, I know the line about making assumptions with the first three letters of that word. They can make, uh, you know, which I'm perfectly um, capable of doing. I, I, I would I would get this a guess. I haven't talked to Buddy about this yet, and I will. Um, but I would guess that he is going to run with Brendan Rodgers and give Brendan Rodgers every opportunity to succeed. Not saying that other guys aren't going to get a spot start, and you know if he's over thirty-eight, that he's not going to sit down and watch a little bit, or, or maybe in, in that situation he'd be sent out. Hopefully that <laughs> we don't see that. But I. I want to reference something Jim Tracy did with a young Carlos Gonzalez, who, when he was coming up in the Arizona organization, was the top prospect for Arizona and one of the top prospects in baseball. Big trade, the Dan Heron deal. He ends up in Oakland. He gets his feet wet in Oakland, has a couple moments, but he struggled. But he was still this, this big-time prospect when he was the headliner in the Matt Holiday deal. And... He started slowly, if you if you guys remember, with the Rockies. And Jim Tracy, almost on a daily basis, was asked about, you know, Cargo and his struggles. Are you going to keep him in the lineup? And, and his response, and he, he talked about this quite a bit in, in the book I did uh, two years ago, that he was going to run Cargo out there every single day till he figured it out because he was too talented not to, and he wanted to show him confidence, even if the average when he walked it up to home plate on the you know huge jumbotron, Rocky's vision suggested that he probably should be at the time in Colorado Springs. He said, I'm playing this guy. He's going to figure it out. And, and obviously we know what happened. He certainly figured it out and became a, you know, one of the game's top players for you know, a significant period of time. Um, I hope that same philosophy uh, applies this year to Brendan Rodgers. You got you got to allow him to figure it out. You're going to have to allow him to struggle, and just know your your name most often is going to be in that lineup, 
and, and kid, go go see what you have because he was drafted too high. The Rockies have too much money invested in him, uh, you know, to put him on the yo-yo at this stage of his career, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's that's one of the benefits to this roster right now and, and expectations being, you know, maybe lower than they should be, maybe not. But you're right. Rogers is going to have that opportunity to, to establish himself and in, in a major way. And, and we know that's going to be the case for, for Ryan McMahon, who's kind of went in and out of the lineup a little bit in the last couple seasons, especially after his kind of breakout performance in 2019. Tapio will kind of be able to settle in to that left field job. We'll see if he's capable of, of winning a batting title, as you mentioned with Sam Hilliard and, and Garrett Hampson kind of rotating out there all over the outfield. You know, that's, that's one of the positives is that, while you know this this current roster as it stands might not uh, win a World Series this year, there's a good majority of those players that going forward could be a part of that next run because they're just that young and just that uh, unproven, and with that, just that hungry to establish themselves in their MLB careers. That that has to be a must. I mean, if the Rockies are to contend, you know, in the near future with some of the changes that that have been made they need some good with this with this i don't want to call them a super young group because they're not super young you got guys in their mid-20s but they're gonna have to be some good story with the hampson billiards the mcmahon's the brendan rogers even the josh Wentz. i'll throw him in in that group and can a couple of them truly emerge as impactful big leaguers and maybe a couple of the other ones be solid everyday guys on a contending team, an upper division team. I think it's always important to, uh, you know, point that out. There are guys that play in the big leagues, and, and I, I, my, my dad told me this when I was a, a kid. You never, uh, I'll tell you where the story emanates from very quickly. Um, I was a, I was probably five years old, and it was one of my first memories of being at a at a big league game. I was a New York Mets fan. I was at Chase Stadium growing up and, and they were playing the San Francisco Giants. And I knew I was a Mets fan and, and they're announcing the starting lineup. And they're saying for the, you know, for San Francisco leading off and playing second base, Tito Fuentes. And, and, I, and you know, my voice, I go, boo, because I knew I was, I was a Mets fan. And they got to the three-hole hitter and they said in center field, uh, batting third, number 24, Willie Maze and I said, Ooh. my dad grabbed my arm and he said, Hey, he said, first of all, you never boo a big leaguer because the worst big leaguer is a great player. And secondly, no. and most importantly, you, you never boo that man because he may be the greatest player of all time. So, the, the point of that story, I learned that early on. I've, I've, I've always been bothered when people boo. Yeah, if a guy strikes out in a key situation, you know what? You may have been unhappy. Your family may be unhappy. All your buddies watching the game with you may be unhappy. But you're not as unhappy as the guy who punched out. The only time I could ever imagine booing is on the rare occasion that, and it's, you almost never see this, really, is where guys just don't give effort. And yeah. I can understand that. But because a guy struck out or a guy walked somebody and the bases were loaded, the last guy on Green Earth who wanted to strike out or walk somebody was the guy that, that did that. Um, so I'm always reminded 
you know, of that, of that story with my dad um, when, when I was young. But um, anyhow, got off on it. Yeah. No, no, those are the those are the kinds of stories that that we want to hear. Um, you just we're, we're never going to shut we're never going to shut down a, a Willie Mays story. That's for sure. I know, right? That's just not going to happen here. Um, if you do want to reset, uh, as you've done before, I think we'll get a, a re-clear yeah. on that connection, and I can do a a quick and ad, ad read. Yeah. Just getting a little bit of. A tough static there, but as we've done before, we've been able to fix that uh, issue. Uh, no issues, by the way, with Hassle Cattle Company. Oh, Wagyu man. Beef. No issues. Can we uh, end this episode early so I, saw, I can go have some Hassle Cattle Company? Some, I'm I know, getting right? hungry. I we want got, some of their steak right now. <laughs> all kinds of delicious stuff. Steaks, burgers, ground beef, ground chuck, the bacon. Again, I have bacon. had... 100% positive reviews from people on the Wagyu beef from Hassle Cattle Company. It's fantastic. It really doesn't break your bank, even if you want to go for some of the fancier stuff. If you want to be like me, shop a little bit more frugally, take advantage of all the promo deals they throw at you, but then you can still start stacking them up. Get yourself over 200 bucks. You'll get free shipping. And if you use promo code DNVR10, you'll get 10% off. And again, no hormones, antibiotics, taking care of the animals, taking care of your body, taking care of you. And I, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Hassle Cattle Company, that's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, cattlecompany.com. And also... When are we going to get some sweatshirts and t-shirts? I, like, know, I right? honestly... They their logo is cool, but just to rock the that red and people go, what what are you wearing? I'm like, well, let me tell you a little bit about it. <laughs> tell do, you a story. A little, yeah, I do an ad read one person at a time as they ask me where I got my cool shirt from. Can I tell you where I got my beef? Is, is yeah. that is that how you start most of your conversations? Good good majority for sure. All right, looks like we got Drew Goodman back. What's up, fellas? Excellent. Fantastic. Long time no see. Yeah, right? Um, Your ratings skyrocketed going. the last 45 seconds. <laughs> just, that's right. It's all downhill from here. Uh, right. Speaking of ratings, everyone has got to download the Drew Goodman podcast. you yes. got to be subscribed to that. you got to go and listen. You're missing out on all kinds of fantastic interviews from players like Dante Bichette uh, to some – all-time fan favorites. Tell us about the. We got a two-parter in the midst of, so we can we can plug this a little bit because every yeah, like, you know, one of everybody's favorite people in this whole Rockies wide community that exists. No, no question about it. Jen, Jenny Kavnar, who I've known for now a long time. I knew her when she was in San Diego, and I, I've known her dad for a long time. It was a terrific coach at Smoky Hill and Regis. Won a couple state titles. Won at each. Um, school and Doe, her mom, great, great family, great Colorado family, great baseball family. And Jenny, everybody knows Jenny. Everybody adores Jenny as they should. And so Jenny jumps on and we talk about, uh, we, we'll get to the Rockies in part one. I, I think you guys had an opportunity to listen. We talked about the broadcasting industry being a, a woman in, in what has always been a male dominated industry and how she's not only climbed the ladder in some of the more traditional spots where we'd seen women in in sports but now there, there's so many uh, 
you know, ceilings, glass ceilings that had been broken. And Jenny, you know, is doing play-by-play, and uh, she's going up and doing the Big Sky Tournament for the third straight year uh, coming up next week. She she fills in for me when I take some time off. So we talk about that, and, and we have some fun because Jenny, is, as I think you guys know, is is doing about a month with her second child. So exciting times for the uh, the Kavnar slash Spurgeon family. But she's always a you know, a, a lot of fun to, to visit with. And um, I think you'll enjoy that. It was a perfect episode to start off Women's History Month. And, you know, in, in the episode, I, I won't get too too deep and spoil it, but I loved hearing Jenny talk about the, the women that inspired her, you know, from this area and, and, and nationally and how, you know, at that time, you know, 15, 20 years ago, whatever it may have been, just saying, hey, you'd be good at that. You should do that. And it, Man, that was really an uphill battle, and it still is. But it, it was just fantastic hearing about you know Jenny's journey and, and the people that kind of paved the way for her um, to be a, a woman in sports. Yeah, and there's there so many very very talented women out there. And one of the way, one of the uh, one of my favorites is Doris Burke, uh, who does a great job mm-hmm. in basketball and. Um, and she's somebody that has uh, been a pioneer uh, also. But we talk about uh, we talk uh, quite a bit about Select and, and some of the other um, women, not just in broadcasting, that have um, taken on roles in sports that were just I don't even say they were exclusively um, positions occupied by men in the past, and we're seeing some coaches now in, in the NFL that are, are women, and so. Um, it's been, uh, it's been a great ride for Jenny and she's done so many great things and we're really fortunate. I'm, I'm biased naturally, but I, I love our team. Um, we have so many talented people that, uh, work behind the scenes, uh, from, you know, producers and directors and tape operators and camera operators. I always say this area is loaded with talented people because everybody wants to live in Colorado so we've been able to take advantage of it and formulating our team. But, you know, the folks that, that you all are all familiar with, the Peace fans from Spooky and Huey and Corey and, and Mark Stout, Jenny, of course, um, I, I feel really privileged to have that kind of group that uh, I get to go to work with every, every day. Um, yeah, and I, I will say, and I'm not naming any names, but I know some of those camera operators can throw back Breck Brews with the best of them. And I, I was keeping up. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not like snitching on anybody. We were all in a part of this situation is all I'm saying. These, uh, uh, some of those, uh, I love hanging out with some of the, some of the guys on the team after some of the games. Uh, <laughs> again, I didn't say anybody's name. <laughs> I'll, I'll point out some names. We have a good group, man. We have a fun group. Yeah. I, I know some guys that can throw them back. I'm not competing yeah. with it anymore. That's for darn sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. Totally. I love, and I love the, the, there's a theme in this episode too, talking about Jenny that I don't know if it was intentional or, or, or not. Obviously 13 time Colorado uh, sportscaster of the year probably was, but there is a through line of family throughout this most recent edition of the Drew Goodman podcast, where, as you said, you're just in St. Louis uh, to see your son play at, at Webster university and, Jenny's talking about, you know, motherhood and her son, Vin, and kind of communicating a big moment in a fan's life. You know, hey, your guy, Nolan Arenado, just got traded. How do you 
you know, communicate that and, and how you had to do that too as, as a father. And so I, uh, I think that was a really cool overarching theme um, for anyone in the Colorado area who knows you, who knows Jenny, and has just watched sports with their family. Like, you, you got to go and listen to this one. This one's great. And it's only part one, which I, I'm right. really right. waiting with bated breath for part two. Yeah. You know, every once in a while, and I got you guys crowded on how you do it. You guys do such a great job cranking it out every day. Um, and, and it's it's not, for those that, that listen in and, and are religious, you know, viewers slash uh, listeners of, of your guys' podcast, it's not easy to come up with content every day, especially because y- your subject matters is pretty finite. I mean, I'll dabble into, you know, what's going on with the app. I talked college baseball a little bit this week. Um, you know, I'll talk a little, you know, football, college football, but you guys are focused, you know, day in and day out on the Rockies and baseball as a whole. And, and to crank that out on, on a daily basis um, and, and to be compelling like you guys are, you know, I, I tip my cap to you. You know, I get I get a week to try to put stuff together and sometimes I'm scratching my head. Um, but it, it was fun to visit with Jenny and um, every once in a while, when you when you have such a you know hopefully a you know a compelling and fascinating person that you're talking to, sometimes it's worthy of, of doing a two-parter. Yeah. And uh, so that's what ended up happening with Jenny. Yeah. Uh, yep. Absolute must listen that, to. That I, we're talking about this because I just, yeah, I just noticed on Twitter that she just favorited um, our teams of the podcast. Uh, on Twitter. So there we go. Maybe, she, maybe she's maybe she's listening right now to you guys also. You, yeah, right. You never know. You never know when Jenny's listening. So yeah, we yeah. we kind of we lucked out a little bit with uh, with spring training, right. as you said, doing a daily podcast, talking about you know one finite subject like that. You know, we we got saved by the spring training games. We have real baseball to talk about. Otherwise, you know, we, we were talking, we were workshopping an idea of uh, best Rockies mascots, and it was probably going to be a short episode. I'm thinking, <laughs> top, <laughs> I don't know, top one Rockies mascots of all time. Not sure how much we would have been able to juice that bad boy for, but nevertheless, we we we've got games now, and um, you know, is there is there anybody so far when when you go down there? Are there any players that you know it's their first spring training let's say or maybe it's their second you only got an abbreviated look is there anyone right now that um you know you're you're excited and looking forward to see next week or or certain storylines that you're most excited to get a, an up close and personal look at i always like to focus in on the pitchers because we know that this sport if you're going to be any good, you have to. Pick. I think the Rockies have a chance to be better than uh, many of the the folks uh, out there think they will be because they have a solid rotation. Knock on wood, everybody uh, can stay healthy. Uh, they have a little more depth than they've had. They're certainly not anywhere near where the Dodgers are. We understand that. But uh, to answer your question more specifically, I'm looking forward to seeing the 20 year old. Uh, I, I believe Heltris Oliveris. I know it's Oliveris, um, a lefty who throws very hard. He had a nice uh, debut a couple of days ago. Ryan Rollison, who was a number one uh, a few years ago. I want to see how he has progressed. Didn't really get to put our eyes on him last year because of COVID. Uh, those two guys are at the very top of my list uh, uh, to watch. 
I, I want to see. I've seen Robert Stevenson when he pitched for the Reds. I want to see what that looks like. He's got a big arm. Um, I, I think the Rockies had a chance to be better in the bullpen. Uh, so those are a few names. And, and of course, the aforementioned uh, Brendan Rodgers, uh, what the at-bats look like, um, how he moves at second base, how comfortable he is over there uh, on the right side. And, and just also, you know, talking to coaches, who, you know, Stu Cole, who's, gonna, who's been working with him every day, and talking to Dave Maggot and, and getting some of their observations on – work habits and and drills um, that, you know, happen away from the games, you know, at one o'clock in the afternoon. So those are a few names that I'll be kind of focused in on next week and be able to pass along to you guys what what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing. It's going to be great. Uh, One of the stories that I'm really interested in. You know what? Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I was going to mention one more name, Ben Bowden. Is another guy that you know. Yes. We, need, we all need to see, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. And yet, I think he pitched a clean inning today. I'd have to go back and look. I think he pitched a clean one. So, uh, very, very intrigued in that. Um, I asked Bud Black this morning about uh, speed, and uh, this is something Patrick and I have talked a lot about too. Not only do the Rockies have the personnel, the, they've got a lot of guys on the team who can run, but they've also got. I think that's an opportunity where when pitching and defense are kind of your calling card, where you can almost kind of literally start to steal some games and really become that best team. Is that something you'd like to see the Rockies do that you think they can find some success in that kind of style of play? I I think it's harder to run than ever before. First of all, it's not the 80s where, you know, the Royals, the Cardinals built their team around speed on the lineup, and and you could get a lot of bags. Pitchers do a much better job of holding runners, I think, in terms of Mm. uh, varying their times to the plate. Uh, It's hard to run. Having said that, though, I'm in agreement with you, Drew, in that Rockies have to create more offense. Um, they have not slugged the last couple of years um, by advanced metrics. They've not been a good offensive club. There's been too much swing and miss. So they need to mitigate the swing and miss number one, but from the speed standpoint, uh, the Hampsons, even the Hilliards, the stories, he wants to be a 30, 30 guy. They're going to have to pick their spots to run even deficit running sometimes. And what I mean by that, that is, you know, it used to be if you were down two or three runs, that, that shut down the running game. You didn't, you didn't run that because you don't want to run into an out on the base pass. You may have to because the Rockies, at least as they're projected right now, hopefully this changes, you're not going to have the three-run home run up and down that lineup on a nightly basis. And with the change in the baseball, too. I mean, there's going to be a lot of teams that, you know, would normally rely on that three-run home run aren't going to be able to. So that, that run production, just putting the ball in play and, uh, and have those guys run the bases is, is going to be even more of an element uh, of, that, of that style this season with, with the new baseball. So uh, it's something we have to keep our eye on. Not a lot of home runs so far in the early part of spring, but, again, it, those are all things that we got to take with a grain of salt. Um, I'll be excited to, to, to see if they do run more because you're right. That could be uh, an excellent element of, of, of surprise to a degree.
Yeah, and Tapia, I didn't mention Tapia. I mean, Rymel Tapia has, has good speed. Now, there's a lot of guys who have good speed that aren't good base stealers, and there's some guys that don't have great speed but are outstanding base stealers. Remember Paul Goldschmidt? What did he get, 26, 28 bags a couple of years ago? Yeah. Uh, you know, Matt Holliday, uh, big man who could steal some bases. Uh, so it doesn't have to be just the guy who's a blur. But the Rockies do have some athletic guys. You know, Chris Owings, when he's in the lineup, is an outstanding athlete. Uh, they, they have guys that can get bases. And let's not forget Charlie Blackman, right? 43 stolen bases a few years ago. So, <laughs> oh. I mean, I don't know that if he wants to get a couple to be a facet of his game. He'll get a couple. But hey, yeah, he can, he can take a bag. <laughs> I mean, what do you think? Uh, if you need it. Under yeah. three and a half on the DraftKings Sportsbook, what would he be at? What do we think? Three and, and a half? I'll take the over, over on that. Three and a half. I mean, he's going to get five or six stolen bases just because he's sure. smart, right? Like he just right. Yeah, he he only had two the last two. Seasons. I will take. Yeah, I, that's a that's a heck of a line. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I'll I'll take the over. I'll tell you, get four bags. Four bags. Listen, he's become a, a you know he's a power hitter. And he wants to protect his legs. And the last thing you want, Charlie, is grabbing his hamstring, try to steal, you know, steal a bag. Yeah. So uh, I, I think he'll utilize his speed going first to third more so than trying to swipe a bag. Yeah. That's what we've seen the last couple of years, anyhow. Probably wise. <laughs> it's probably, probably the smart route to go. All right. Be good. I think I think we should probably wrap it up there. There's a lot more to talk about, obviously, but there's going to continue to be. It's there's it's early in spring training yet. Uh, there's uh, going to be more storylines going forward. Anything that we could be talking about right now might not be a thing a week from now. But uh, as you said, the next time we chat with you, you'll have gotten your eyes on everyone. So uh, we're very excited for that. And there'll be two AT&T Sportsnet games broadcast on Wednesday and Thursday. Right. Of next week. That's right. Yeah. Our, our first two uh, of the season will be on uh, on Wednesday and Thursday. So I'm looking forward to it. And uh, we'll do four over the next between the, the 10th and the 15th. We'll do four ball games. So folks will get a you know great opportunity to see things as kind of midway in spring training. And then we'll have a couple more late in spring training before uh, everything gets going on April 1st. And this is this is Goody's spring training too. Hueys, they're all they're all shaking the cobwebs off, right? I don't know how you're getting your reps in if you're watching spring training games, just sitting on the couch, uh, talking to yourself. But you're you're shaking the cobwebs out as well. Yeah, there's no question about that. You're trying to find your truly. You're trying to find your rhythm again. Your baseball uh, rhythm. You don't want to blow out. All your good stories uh, in March, <laughs> all those. Um, but uh, as I said, I can't wait to get down there and, uh, and, and, and get in the booth again. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening in to this episode of the podcast. Make sure you're joining us for the live edition of the show on YouTube. You got to subscribe on YouTube so you don't miss any of the visual stuff. You get preference and having your questions and, and comments answered and read 
on the show. We see you there. Like and subscribe. Hit that bell icon. It'll let you know when we're going live. All that good stuff on the YouTube. Head over there uh, for really all the beats. That's where it's going on. Make sure you're subscribed to the DNVR.com so you don't miss out on any of that written content. Plus, you get discounts on hats and shirts and masks. A bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar. And you get access to our private Discord chat. You got to follow everyone on social media. And again, you got to make sure you're subscribed to the Drew Goodman podcast. It is must listen stuff for any hardcore Colorado Rockies fan. So thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. I promise you that we will continue to be absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew's Goodman and Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.